so I just went along, did the normal voice, and then whilst um, the sort of creative people and and foodstuffs and that were sort of chatting after they would do after everybody who came in, like, what did you think of that guy? Blah 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 blah. While they were doing that, I was mucking around in the studio doing various other silly sort of character voices that I used to kind of do from time to time on More FM because I was um, still, was I still at More FM at that stage? Maybe just. Anyway, so I was doing this kind of nasally, more that, more that nasally, that nasally sort of voice. I was sort of doing that just in the studio mucking around, um, not thinking that they were listening to what I was doing. I was just filling in time until they said, yeah, you can go. And, um, and the engineer came back on and said, oh, what's that? What's that? voice you're doing <laughs> cool i was like oh sh- i this is a true story i said sorry i didn't know you guys could still hear me i was just <laughs> i was just mucking around filling in time and they're like do you want to try reading one in that nasally voice like it's not what they've what the clients asked for but just just for fun do you want to try just reading one of that i'm like okay and back and say so i did one in that nasally voice and got the call the next day saying that's the one they want contrast to the las vegas strip club that you're in yeah well the las vegas oh, let me go full screen for me so you can see the las vegas strip car yeah there it is oh there it's, you go uh, something about funny is it good yeah let, let's talk funny because i thought let's that if we're going to talk, talk funny funny mr paul ego we should try and yeah, get man. some people on that might have a a, a is that the right word to being a funny penchant how are you paul ego um, yeah, look, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. It's um I'm pleased that it's a different year to the last year. Why is that? Um, oh, you know, there's just there's stuff that's been happening, isn't there, in the world and then bloody personally. So I'm i I'm still just playing around with my headphones, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I look good. The headphones thank are good you. to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if I can turn them up. There must be some way yeah. of turning them up. Anyway, Probably. that'll do. I can sort of hear you. See, yeah, like, yeah. Look, I'm good. Have we started? Are we already talking? Is, I'm what probably, are we doing? I think okay. we're going. I think we're talking. I was wondering. So, so obviously, <sighs> we don't need to or want to get into your personal stuff. But mm. the, the difference between 2023 and 2022 for you would be what? Well, I've got a full time job in 2023, which I'm starting very <laughs> soon, which is exciting. Yeah, I haven't had a full time job for a long time, yeah. so um, getting used to working every day of the week rather than just two or three, as most. Uh, as most comedians do, who just do live gigs and stuff, which is what I was doing last year. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going back to radio, back to more FM, joining the breakfast show in about two or three weeks. And, yeah, wow. looking really forward to it. Yeah, back to the old mm. days. Back the to the old, old days. days, Paul. Back to the old it days. Is. I heard, I heard mm. you talking about that on, so more FM, more FM nationwide, but there are some yes. local more FM shows, eh? So, so the more FM mm. show that goes to the – nationwide audience that takes it is based in Christchurch. Are you going to be in Christchurch or are you going to be remote? I will be, yes. I'll be I'll be living in Christchurch during the week from like a Sunday night until a Friday afternoon. Yeah. And then Friday Arvos, I will fly home to see my lovely family or at least as many of them who are in the house and are remembering that I'm coming home. Uh, and if none of them are here, I'll just let myself in, wander around a bit and then fly back down. <laughs> That's cr- I, I mean, I mean, not to get into. I'm, I'm sure there's some backroom dealings going on. Uh, oh, so many backrooms, mate. They've but got it's, like it's, seven backrooms. <laughs> it's fascinating. I imagine. I wonder. I imagine. I wonder if after a wee while you'll be able to do some out of Auckland remotely. Like, because I remember, I think it was there used to be a whatever the the radio, the the Media Works Sports Channel was called for a while, and um, Ian okay. Smith was on it, and he was in yes. Hawkes Bay in the. One of the, and I think it was Nathan Rarity, I think, was in mm, Auckland, and they mm. seem to be able to do that. I mean, it's much nicer in person, but I guess the opportunity yeah. to be there as well. Yeah, totally. I, that is the plan, that after about um, uh, two or three months, I'll move back up to Auckland. And uh, I think they'd like everybody from the show to be in Auckland, really, because that's where all the sales, that's where the main media works building is. Oh, but, for real? Um, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, the More FM Breakfast Show now is, has been originated from a Christchurch show. So they've all been based down there for a long time. All their families are down there and that sort of thing. So it's easier to just have me go down there as one person than to uproot the whole show and go, you guys have got to go up. And as you say, the technology's come on so much now that you can actually do it from different places around the world. Somebody was telling me the other day, I think it's one of the big Aussie shows. Might have been when Carrie Bickmore or someone like that was on um, one of the Aussie breakfast shows and she was 
in Europe and like Italy with her family because for like six months because maybe her partner was over there working and she was just broadcasting in and they said you just wouldn't know it's just sounded like she was in the same room well so to be honest what, awesome. we're, what, what we're doing right now you, yeah. you wouldn't know I mean I mean people can see unfortunately yeah. that you have you've dressed up for it but haven't dressed the setup for radio uh, um, yeah I've I've focused on what's important. Look, I literally had a singlet and underpants on before because it's quite muggy up in Auckland today where I am. But I thought, no, look, I'll wear one of my signature shirts. But I'm not decorating this room like you have. Uh, you've gone to enough. a lot of you've gone to a lot yeah. of effort. But but just to make you comfortable, I I have no pants on. So you know, good. Yeah. I would oh honestly, in the sort of heat we're getting right now, that's the that's the most hygienic thing. You don't want an orchid growing out of your testicles. No, definitely not. Or any any other part, to be honest, really. Testicle orchid sounds like an interesting brand to see down at your local uh, plant store, though. I was, I was watching, or a, the, or a band the, that's playing laneways. Yeah, one of those. Watching two. the announcement at More FM uh, when you came oh, on board yes. at the end of last year. Watched the big uh, thing, mm. and I heard you talk about Kim. I heard you talk about Corbett. Um, yes. I was sort of experiencing uh, exper uh, ex <laughs> exper experiment. Experimenting, experiment. I've lost that word. It's just expecting. expecting. We'll go with expecting. Mm. A bit of a name check there. Nothing came because, like, like Nothing you know, in. if it wasn't yeah. for the coffee in the morning as the overnight guy left, how yes. would the show have happened? That's all I'm saying, Paul. Well, this is very true. Yeah. So for those people who don't already know, you were the Which overnight guy when I was uh, on the More FM Auckland Breakfast Show with Kim and Corbett and Hilary Barry. Yeah. And that was um, good so fun. we would see each other. It was great times see each other crossing different parts of the day and yeah yeah i still look back to that when i talk about uh i don't like using the word career after i say my radio because it just feels a bit mm. weird calling it but my radio experiences um mm. i still look back to one of those shows we did as one of the highlights of my career which was the i was on air when 9 11 happened and you guys came on afterwards yeah, and we right. stayed we stayed on i stayed through and we were cutting mm. audio and feeding it to the boys and not, not that it's funny because I remember actually speaking of more of him. Christchurch, Simon Barnett talks about uh, the death of Princess Diana as one of his show highlights. It's like when when radio seems to make its uh, biggest impacts. It's like probably either in times of huge joy or huge sadness. They seem to be the times when radio is most impacting. And that that nine eleven when I was on air and then you guys came in afterwards. I remember phone, having to phone Kim Adamson early to say, yeah. Ah, you might want to get up and get in because there's some things yeah. going on. And mm, that was mm. a um, a fascinating time. Yeah, it really was. Yes, I I remember getting the call from you as well. I was driving. Yeah, I was driving into the studio, and um, on the same road that I drive now because we were in the same house we've been in for years. And yeah, I don't know what time it would have been. I used to come in about four thirty-five, so I must be in that between four and five a.m. I guess you would have called me and said, "Yeah, look, something's happening, and these planes <laughs> have got into the you know into the World Trade Center." I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, I remember. Okay, you well, were, I don't think uh, we're doing many funnies today. We might have to throw out all no. those funny ideas that we had. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember you and you and mm. uh, Kim Adamson getting it on time, and I do remember Mr. Corbett on occasion, uh, me needing to call him as the six o'clock news was playing to wake him yep. up. Um, mm. But he lived so close; he'd often be in there before the end of the first song. So that was a yeah, not, was that always, was not uncommon. <laughs> he was always good like that. He'd always try and choose a flat or an apartment that was, you know sprintable or very quick drivable distance to uh to the studio so yeah he's still like that till this day i think he works best when he just turns right up and does it whereas i tend to panic a bit more i can work on the fly but i like to be there i don't like being late i'm my dad in many ways my dad used to get so angry at people being late so so angry and i don't think i'm quite at that level yet but i do really hate being late when there's no reason to be late it, it really annoys me <laughs> So what's the what's the idea? Why are you going back into radio? Because like I look at your career and I see seven days and I see it's stickman. You're still doing pack and save. The, sometimes you wonder if yeah. the voice is someone got it. Yeah. So great. I mean that I imagine that's a great gig, right? And there's oh, it's the awesome. seven days. I love it. And yeah. there's a stand up routine. And so um, mm. I wouldn't think. I mean I don't need to talk about your finances. I mean, but if you've got twenty bucks, I could borrow it. Um, I <laughs> I would think that you're doing. You know, you're, you're living okay. You're having a life. You're doing some good. Why get back into radio? What's the reason? Oh, look, no, I'm very lucky. I've, I've been very fortunate with Seven Days and um, and Pack and Save has kind of certainly kept our family afloat during um, during lockdown when there were no gigs and uh, Seven yeah. Days wasn't on for a while either. So that was just, no, totally. just a regular kind of thing that would tick along every now and then. In fact, I do them from this very bedroom. I do oh, the, cool. um, the Pack and Save ads on this very microphone. But the only <laughs> difference was I would have a big duvet over my head Yep. I've still got it somewhere. I'd put it on today, but it's too hot. 
yeah. which would basically have to be like the the studio, the sound sound deadening device. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's been really good. But I think it was it was just that thing where I've uh, I've been very fortunate the last couple of years with Seven Days that I haven't had to work a lot, and the work that I do I really love, um, and I still love getting out and doing stand up and that sort of thing. But when Seven Days when the format of Seven Days changed and they kind of got rid of Di Hamilton and I as the regular captains and we didn't have that kind of that regular thing to go, okay, well, this is paying the mortgage. This is just going to tick along sort of thing. I suddenly sort of went, oh, I might need, yeah, the first thing was I might just need something regular just so that I know that the bills are covered. Yeah. And the second thing was I I think I felt, it wasn't until I actually secured the Morifin gig that I thought, I think I was actually ready for a new challenge. Nice. Like, not that I don't need to try doing stand-up anymore, but I've been doing it for a long, long time. And so I can, a lot of times I can just sort of turn up and do it and I don't have to think too much about it. So I think I was ready to kind of get back into it again and sink my teeth into, you know, into a new thing and put my stamp on it. And it just happened to turn up at the right time. I was um, just in contact with one of the MediaWorks radio bosses about an unrelated matter, actually. Um, some friends of ours, their son is a really good musician yeah and so i just contacted this guy who i knew from years ago he used um uh leon rat he's he's now the basically head of content for all of yeah. media work content director but at, at the t- yeah at the time he was like i think he was the program director at, at the edge when i was working at the rock yep, so i used to see right. him quite a lot because we we're in the same building and so i just called him out the blue and said you know what what would this young guy have to do if he wanted to get a song on the radio? And we just got chatting about stuff. And he said, oh, well, I've got you on the phone. Do you want to meet for a coffee? <laughs> and so we just started talking about, you know, because he's always wanted me to get back into radio. And I've never needed to because of, you know, seven days was regular for me. And yeah, it just felt like the right sort of time. And I thought, well, maybe it is. Maybe I should give it another go. And it's it's just felt really good. Like, uh, you know, meeting Lana and Adam. And, and I've known Gary McCormick for quite a long time. Um, I mean, we don't see each other sort of socially, but I've known him through sort of performance circles. So we get on pretty well. And none of it has felt like, you know, they're kicking him out and we're bringing me in and you got to, you know, it's all felt quite friendly and a natural kind of thing to do. And there's a lot of excitement about it, which is great. So, yeah, I'm really stoked. I heard, I, and watching that same um, clip off their website, I, mm. actually, I listened to the longer version of it. There was a, there's like an audio podcast, which is longer. And you talked yeah, was about it any the, longer than the description I just gave you then? Because uh, I think like it was, was half the minutes. length. Yeah, it was, about was half it? The length. okay. Yeah. Um, but you talked about getting a bit emotional the night before being yeah. salesing, and and I and I wonder if you. I, I've just done talkback again for the first time in basically a decade. I filled mm-hmm. in for Today FM over summer, and I'm right. like, fuck, I love this. You know, there's something I love this. Like I, mm. I didn't mm. really miss it. But when yeah. you get back in there, you're like, yeah, this is this feels normal. Is there an element of that for you as well? Now that you kind of made the decision, and now you're going back, then you're like, well, this feels this is a homecoming of some sort. Oh, totally. I yeah, I um yeah, when they announced it down there, I did get a bit emotional because for me, that's that's that was one of the happiest times of my life as far as that work friend balance goes. That yeah, you thanks. Know, I appreciate it, the kind words. Yeah, well obviously yeah. with you initially. Yeah. Yeah, Pat sure. was the main one I'm talking yeah, about. Thanks. And then it was also quite good with Kim and Corbett as well. But you oh, and yeah, I obviously had yeah, the main, yeah, yeah, them the main kind of yin and yeah. yang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it was just that perfect combination of a really great team. The chemistry was amazing. We were all friends outside of work. And it was just a really, really happy kind of like, I suppose, you know, sort of six or seven years of, of my life. So I've still got really good memories of that time. Mm. And we st- we're still really good friends, Kim and Jeremy and Hillary and I, and we see each other quite regularly. Um, so that to me was that's more FM's still you know got a really a really big place in my heart. Um, so to go back yeah to go back to the same station again felt felt really good, really really good. In fact, I was saying to somebody the other day, I think I've still got my original More FM station jacket. Leather jacket, I've like, got it too. Yeah, the leather jacket. I oh, know, not the leather one. one. Oh, I was oh, telling no. somebody about the leather ones the other day. I got the oh, leather no, one in my cupboard. I think I, I got rid of the leather one. Why didn't honest. I wear it? I'll do a little insert right here, like in yeah. the thing, and everyone won't notice. And I'll, I'll put on the more if you're walking leather jacket and show people, and then yeah. we'll come back to you and go, "That was the jacket, Paul." And then back to you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I stopped wearing the jacket as soon as I started putting on weight because uh, it was quite <laughs> slender. And also, you don't want to really go out with a leather jacket with more FM on it. You know, it's no. not really a... But we had another, like, these bright station jackets, which were a bright blue with a big more FM logo and a name on the back. And I've always kept it because I thought, well, who's going to buy it? I'm not going to... Yeah. 
stick it in the you know the charity bin who's going to wear that it's got my name on it so i've always it's been up the top of the cupboard getting dustier and dustier so i thought i might actually get that down and wear it again on my first morning on air that's cool i've got mm. um i've got i think i've got a piece of apparel from all of the stations i've worked at and I've, oh, what i've got from more fm is uh the uh, the the promo van promo team's rugby jersey so it was like a rugby oh, jersey okay. with yes, the I name on those, the back. I, I don't know if I've yeah. got a jacket. I don't oh. have a jacket, but I've got the I've got the promo, uh, the promo rugby jersey with Pat on the back. And yeah, it's the oh, same you'd sort prob- of like, you'd probably get more use out of that, wouldn't you? Surely than a jacket. Yeah, yeah, I think so because that's probably where my level of broadcasting ever got to was driving the fucking promo van. <laughs> that's about <laughs> that's about it for me. <laughs> no more, no more. Oh, my, my my big question for you around more FM. Yeah, Bob Bond. Hmm. Is he coming back? Is Bob Bond coming back? This is oh, this God. is the only thing I ma- I care about. I look, I, d- I don't think so. I d- uh, I and do you, and do would. you have a copy of an episode that we can insert right now? Oh bloody hell! You'd have look, to look. Probably somewhere I could find one on something called a CD, which was a yeah. thing from the past. CD. Um, okay, and I, I tell you what, I did actually find somewhere in a in a clear file. I've got a lot of the scripts that. Kim and Jeremy and I wrote for the Bob Bond episodes and I was reading through them not very long ago, actually only a month ago. And pretty much everyone I came across, it was like, Oh, that's funny. That's funny. And then you get yeah, about was... two thirds down you go, Oh boy, I couldn't say that anymore. <laughs> 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 pretty much everyone. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think we'd, I don't think we'd do that. But it uh, was uh, at the time. It was great time and a place. It was a lot of fun to do. And um, let's do this. If yeah. I can find a Bob Bond episode, I'll insert it now. In a world where peace was a dirty word, one man rallied to the call of justice. A man of courage, a man of action, a man with a tractor, Bob Bond. Yeah, now lean, love. Um, I'm off to that there Fiji, all right? Sort out the old coup thing there. I thought you were dead. Yeah, well, life doesn't stop just because you're dead, you know, mate. Dog Bond, to the tractor! Yeah, well, you might not think I'm dead, Dog Bond, but I am, mate, and so are you, both of us, dead. As dead as Russell Coote's fan club, mate. Dead as true bliss is what we are. No, I don't think even Jeff Wilson could save them now, Dog Bond. Still, yeah, you're right, he does look good in a dress. He could uh, replace that fat one, couldn't he, old Brad Butternuts there? Yeah, we're going to go and see P first, mate. Get some and if there was nothing inserted, then we didn't find a Bob Bond episode. And it's just a little a little thing between me and you. Okay. And um, and what's his name from Birkenhead, Dale? Um, Brian. The character. Brian. Oh, it's just a little joke between me, you, and Brian from Birkenhead, Dale. Brian from Birkenhead, Dale. Yeah, Jeremy did that one. That was so funny. Really hey, tell me, tell me about... Um, oh, look, before we do this, before we move on, yes, uh, when, yes, when yes, does that yes, all start yes. for punters on More FM? Oh, look, ironically, it's the very same day that our Prime Minister has her last day. So as she's finishing on the 7th of Feb, I'm going in there. So, you know, double the reason for people to mourn slash celebrate yeah. the end slash beginning of an era. Who are they mourning and who are they celebrating? Are they mourning? Well, is it? You're I'll coming just leave it. As, I'll leave, leave it up people. to people. Okay. I'll leave it up to people, to be honest. Leave it up for the yeah. punters. Yeah. Um, I have this memory, and tell me if I'm wrong. Are you are you probably, a trained? You're probably are wrong. You a, are you a trained sign writer? Is that part of your history? It is correct. Yeah. So does that ever that still play? Correct. Like, do you design your own lines? <laughs> design your own flyers and stuff for shows that you got going yep. on? Yep. I still love that. I still do my own posters, and um, I'm told I have quite nice handwriting. So I'm always the guy who has to write on everyone's birthday cards <laughs> when we do it at home. Janine goes, "Can you write it?" So I always write. Yeah. So that's how I started before. Before comedy, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did a a sign writing apprenticeship with an Auckland company called Peak Display, and they used to be in Ponsonby Road, and then they moved to Eden Terrace in Auckland. They're still going, I think. I think they're still going. But um, so I was with them for about ten years, uh, sort of five years, and then my wife and I went overseas, and I tried stand up for the first time. When we were in London, and then we came back, and I went to work for them again. And then started doing more sort of comedy stuff and just part-time sign writing. And then I basically met Jeremy Corbett and left sign writing and went into radio. And but yeah, went, I really loved it. Life, personal life went down after Corby. Professional life went up. Was that sort of yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That's usually the way it goes. Usually, it's it's pretty much everybody who meets them. That's the arc. You know, your career might go well, but your personal life will be ruined. <laughs> 
I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you something about Corby. Um, I've told him Please. this, and I've said it yes. publicly before, is I was quite lucky. My dad worked with quite a lot of athletes and stuff growing up. So like Martin Crow was his client, and um, Martin Sneddon was his client. And so mm-hmm. there was these people around that sort of were, and I was, and I loved cricket and rugby, so these were like my heroes. Mm-hmm. But because they were around with, with dad, with, 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 I was never really kind of starstruck. And right, the okay. one time I can remember being a bit <gasps> like this was when Corby walked into the studio. And I was really, I was really surprised. I was really surprised. I was like, oh my God, it's Jeremy Corbett. And what I realized um, after a while was he had done everything I wanted to do. Yeah, I looked up to Martin Crowe, but I was never going to be New Zealand cricketer. But Mm. when Corby walked in, it was like, I was doing theater sports at the time. You know, I just literally just started in radio. And I was like, it was the only time I can ever remember sort of being starstruck other than meeting you, but that we'll we'll put that on the side. (laughs) But um, yeah, Corby was, Corby Mm. was my one. And then as you say, loveliest of loveliest guy. I mean, he's one of the highest profile comedians in New Zealand for a very long time. I'd been off radio for away from more for probably 15 years. And I, and I saw him in a, in a, um, in a furniture store. And I'm like, mm. oh, you know, do you want to be one of those guys? Hey, do you remember me? He comes straight up to me, puts his arm around me, says, g'day, says, how you doing? Good to see you. And I'm just like, I'm almost like, I wasn't starstruck, but I was a bit like you, but you must, you, re- you, actually, re- yeah. you actually remember properly and now you're being a genuine person. So yeah, mm. lovely. Did lovely it get to that being. point? It always gets to that. I mean, he does have, that's that's part of his nature. He's a lovely guy, but did it get to that point where you really wanted to just get on with buying your furniture and he was just just really hanging on to the hug just well, it was the hand, the hand slipping down the back, getting lower and lower. I yeah. was like, down you know, the back of the was, furniture, or is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's what my wife calls it. Down the back and of my furniture. Right down the back of your furniture. <laughs> um, <laughs> the pack and save gigs and strings, but I always have a little chuckle because obviously, mm. I guess through seven days now, everyone knows it's you. Like it's obvious it's you, whereas probably because yeah, it because you don't really know who I the think. voices are until it gets outed, and now it's actually part of a running joke or has been mm. on seven days when it mm. comes up. How did that come about? Well, that was a uh, I've been doing voice work for I guess on and off for well quite a long time, and um, would go for various auditions. Never really did particularly many commercials, and yeah. then that one came about probably just before seven days. I want to say would have been about two thousand and eight. 2007 2008 anyway okay. um just went yeah just heard that pack and save would they were doing a relaunch of their campaign and um uh they just had this idea for a kind of a, a kiwi a kiwi sort of voice to voice the stick man character and um and so i went along with with uh with a few you know other people obviously you had a sort of booking at a, at a uh, recording studio and um, just did my normal, vo- like this sort of voice, you know, just a basic kind of uh, voice and um, and basic kind of face too, which works out pretty well. I mean, Stickman <laughs> and I, you know, we've got the same shaped head now, really, which works out beautifully. Um, his body's a bit thinner than mine. But um, so just went along, did the normal voice. And then whilst um, the sort of creative people and, and foodstuffs and that were sort of chatting after they would do, after everybody who came in, like, what did you think of that guy? Blah, 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 blah. While they were doing that, I was mucking around in the studio doing various other silly sort of character voices that I used to kind of do from time to time on More FM because I was um, still, was I still at More FM at that stage? Maybe just. Anyway, so I was doing this kind of nasally, more that, more that nasally, that nasally sort of voice. I was sort of doing that just in the studio mucking around, um, not thinking that they were listening to what I was doing. I was just filling in time until they said, yeah, you can go. And, um, and the engineer came back on and said, oh, what's that? What's that? voice you're doing <laughs> cool i was like oh sh- i this is a true story i said sorry i didn't know you guys could still hear me i was just <laughs> i was just mucking around filling in time and they're like do you want to try reading one in that nasally voice like it's not what they've what the clients asked for but just just for fun do you want to try just reading one of that i'm like okay and back and say so i did one in that nasally voice and got the call the next day saying that's the one they want wow <laughs> and i got it so it was yeah it was just um yeah, a lucky little turn of events from me just pissing about. And I've um, never heard that story. Turned into a twelve-year gig. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never heard that story. That you, that that yeah, basically you almost got it by accident. Um, how much yeah. of it is like to the script? How much do you do, and how much is sort of improved uh, along the way? It's a combination of all those things. So I'm very lucky in that the um, pretty early on they started writing to my sense of humor. I think um, so. And the other thing is, like, when we first started doing them, probably at least for the first year, it was kind of like the voice I was doing was narrating the stick man. 
like what right. was actually happening like it wasn't his voice and then we had to uh, we had to make a conscious decision of or maybe it's maybe we should make it like it's him talking so he's right that's his actual voice so because yeah if you look at the very you can probably find them on youtube somewhere the very early clips are more like you know me kind of going look at this guy here you know the stick man doing whatever and then it became his actual voice talking so um so i'm lucky in that the creative guys from um uh fcb which is the agency really know my sense of humor now and so the scripts are really very funny when they turn up i mean i could do them word for word if they wanted to they're the ones that the client signed up so we pretty much do yeah. it as they've written it and they're pretty much always great and then we just kind of have a play and they go have you got any other ideas and sometimes it's just me just changing a word or adding a pause i'm a big fan of the pause the pause and the silence <laughs> is just the best it's the best thing um so yeah i'll just change a certain thing or you know once i see often once i see the animation i'll go oh, maybe i could make a sound when he does that or we just try and you know zhuzh it up just a little bit and like is this a lifelong career is this the briscoe's lady version of the supermarket thing is this going well it'd be forever? pretty amazing if it was i mean even if they ended it now i, I you know i couldn't be ungrateful it's been yeah. what 12 13 years it's been pretty great um but i think they're still pretty popular the ads and yeah, I don't know what else they would, what other sort of direction they would go in, really, um, unless they just completely changed. Or, or it would have, you know, it would have to be, it would have to be so far away from. If you're going to change direction, it would have to be almost a. You wouldn't want to do a U-turn. That implies doing the opposite, but it'd be it'd have to be a right yeah. turn completely to to go away from something completely new. And I love the idea that you say yeah, you did it. Yeah. You do them in that room with a with a duvet. I worked yeah. for a, a company. Uh, and we made a product for Newstalk ZB called Newstalk BC. And it was a Christmas mm. Day program. And it was imagining that was the year zero. And right, it, was right. talk back, it was a talkback hour of radio. And the talkback host, which was played by me, was like, oh, and there's the continuing phone calls about this weird occurrence in the sky. And isn't it weird that all these shepherds have come into town? And all this, so it was conversation yeah, going yeah, on, yeah, telling nice. the story. And we did that in a blanket fort hut. Mm. Like, so we built couches and blankets and pillows. And that won awards all over the world. It won nine New York radio awards. And like, we're up there with it's the well, BBC, it's the ESPN, and it's these guys who made it in a fucking blanket fort. So it's amazing. like, what you can do in this day and age with a decent yeah. mic and with a blanket is amazing. And I think it's yeah, hilarious it's and great that you can do that from home. It's, the technology is now here. Um, I'd like to talk funny with you. And you've, okay, already, started, you've already kind of started me off uh, by all right, talking, come about, on. Talking, talking about trying stand up. Um, tell oh, me yes, how you got are you into stand up. No, not, not, no, 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 right, okay. no, no, mm -hmm. but I want to know about your experiences, Paulie. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. tell me about how you got into stand up comedy. Tell me about your, your first gigs. Okay, so I was living in London with my wife Janine, and mm -hmm. um, we would go and see stand up on a Friday night at uh, a room above a pub, many, many pubs, of course, in London, doing uh, stand up Friday, Saturday, well, th most nights of the week, I guess. And just go and see lineup shows. Really loved it. It was a great Friday night out. And uh, my sister-in-law, um, Maxine, was living with us at the time. She was over there traveling. So she'd live with us for a couple of months in our flat, and then she'd go off traveling. And and she said to me one time after we'd been to one of these nights, she said, have you ever thought of giving that a go? Because you're pretty funny. Like, you're right. very quick. And and I never had. I mean, I'd, I'd performed, I'd sung in bands and stuff when I was in my teens. So I was sort of a little bit used to the stage. Um but I'd never thought of comedy. It had just never occurred to me. I'd always enjoyed it. Big Monty Python fan. My parents were mad on Peter Sellers and the Goons. And so we'd always had a lot of humor in our house. Like my my folks used to listen. They would listen to comedy records rather than music records most of the time. Right. Um, so that had been sort of part of my life, but I'd never thought of it as something that I would do. But she just kept asking every time that she would come back from her travels, like she'd go away for a few months and she'd come back and she goes, oh, have you booked that? Have you booked a gig? I'm like, oh, no, I thought you were joking. You go, no, do you book a gig? Promise me you'll book a gig. I'm like, yep, I promise. And then she'd leave and I wouldn't do it. And so that went on for about six months. And then eventually I was like, oh, God, maybe I should just book a gig. Just, you know, just to shut her up. Just always going on. So I went into the timeout, which is the sort of um, entertainment guide in, in London. You can sort of go through and find all the pubs and stuff. And, you know, if you want to come along to an open mic night, call this number, call Terry, blah, blah, blah. So I just called up this place and they went, yeah, that's fine. Come along on a Wednesday. You need five minutes of material. And, you know, it's, I don't think they said it's got to be clean, but it's got to be your own material. Come along in a month. So I just spent 
the next month as I was sign writing at the time, working for a chain of hotels over there. So I was had a full-time job. So on the tube each morning, I just got loads and loads of notebooks and just wrote down ideas about, you know, all longhand. This is in the days, of course, before iPhones and you could probably get dictaphones, I suppose, but it was probably. all longhand, just writing, 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 notebooks, notebooks. Came up with five minutes of material. Invited all my friends along, which is was a very brave thing. I'd never do that now. I hate people I know coming to gigs. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, but first one, so I invited them along, and it was pretty good. And more importantly, my God, I loved it so much. I just, God, what a buzz! It was just, I was like, oh fuck, it's incredible. Just the feeling of people laughing at something that I've thought of, that's not you know stolen off, you know, a record, just an idea that I had, and they're laughing at it. it was just such a drug. And then I just. I just booked as many gigs as I could, just went and booked, you know, sort of six or eight gigs. This is in, I mean, stupidly, this was in like the last three months that we were living in London and we'd been there for five years. I'm right, like, okay. what a <laughs> fucking idiot. I'm actually in the, in the home of comedy, right, UK, in London, and I'm leaving it to the last two or three months to try and do some gigs. So I just booked about six or eight gigs, did lots of open mic spots and um, thanked my sister-in-law for nagging me into doing it. And then when we came back to... Um, New Zealand in 95, I think, beginning of 95. Um, I got my sign writing job back again, and then I started going to a place called Kitty O'Brien's in um, uh, Victoria Park Market. Yeah, down by down by Vic Park, I remember. Yeah, by Vic Park, yeah. yeah. So good pub, room above a pub, very much like the English scenario. And they would do, I think they would do a Wednesday night, like an open mic night, and a Thursday and Friday, and then there was a Saturday pro night over here in Devonport, actually, where I am at the Masonic Hotel. They used to do a Saturday pro show. And so I just, yeah, I just got in touch with Scott Blanks, who still runs the comedy club uh, here in Auckland, the classic. And, um, yeah, just booked as many gigs as I could and started doing lots of open mic nights and then started emceeing quite a lot, which I've always really enjoyed. Just that, you know, not, not uh, I guess because intrinsically I'm quite lazy and I quite enjoy thinking on my feet. So right. I always enjoyed just, you know, turning up and talking to the audience and, and picking ideas and building something out of it. So I started doing a lot of emceeing and that sort of when I met um, Mick Corbett and all those other guys and that sort of led into radio in seven days. And yeah, it's funny how it happened. So, yeah. When you did the work, work at the Masonic Hotel, was there a special handshake to get through the door? Is that what they did at the Masonic? <laughs> Maybe. Well, May, I assume well, that's was. why it's called that initially. It's apartments now, unfortunately. No longer the cool pub it once was, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you talk about, you know, your sister-in-law saying you've always been funny, but when did you know you were funny? Can you remember as a as a kid making making people laugh? Like, what was that moment that you went, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm I, I, I not not even like like not even like I could do comedy, but I'm funny. I can make people laugh." I don't know that I do, to be honest. I don't think well, I you do you, have a memory. You like still that, don't think like. that now. You don't think you're funny now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh no, I think I'm getting there. I, okay, I reckon good. I'm. Yeah, boy, I'm well on the way. Okay, good. I'm well on the way. Yeah, I look, I, the mostly this is mostly this is an intervention. I wanted to encourage you, Paul, <laughs> in your comedy career. No, like, you, when did you know you were funny? Like, if she said you're pretty funny, I mean, there's a moment before or after that that you go, oh yeah, I'm pretty funny. How how did that work out? I think it. I think there's there was possibly moments at parties where you just you'd have a few wines and just start talking to people, and I'd just start making up ideas or stories. I've always been sort of quite quick with the response, I suppose. I guess there's those moments, but I don't think there was any kind of oh man I can really make people laugh I don't think it was until that first gig that I had that epiphany which I wow. guess was was why it was so annoying that I'd left it for so long and I guess that's fairly common right that other people see things in you that often you just don't know are there for sure um which is I guess like in most relationships right you you like <laughs> why, why are they why are they still yeah. here why does she and they're like well you're actually really great you're like yeah. am I you're like yeah two or three days a week yeah. yeah. That's good. If it is two or three days a week, that's a good because that's now Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then back to Christchurch. So you've got it made in the shade. That that's right. But unfortunately, what if the three days a week yeah. that are really great are midweekdays? Yeah. Then I'm really yeah. in trouble. I'm just gonna you be come coming home, home come being home a wanker. You suck. <laughs> um <laughs> that's really interesting that that you kind of it sounds like it was almost a formula for you. You realized after you did it that the sum the sums work because I'm interested if you are more of a precise prepper and a writer because you talk about like sort of being able to improv. You see that on seven days. Like I've been to a couple of filmings of seven days and I have to yeah. say the stuff that doesn't make the the show 
is by firing away the best content and it doesn't make the show for the right reason yeah, legal right. you know legal yeah. racist misogynistic sexist horrible <laughs> you know degrading whatever it is of yourself or not you personally but in general well certainly horrible yeah we just take things to the to the utmost degree you know which is yeah. i think always i've always trusted the you know the editors and and the producers of the show to um you know to make those calls and i would never you know i would never say anything that i feel is too horrendous or is really hurtful to someone but i also think you can't really stifle that kind of creative thing and be self-editing as you're saying something so i'm a i'm sort of a big fan of just just going just talking just take it but and there's a contract there's a contract yeah, yeah, totally. there? like, like yeah. especially between comedians i mean i'm not one mm. but um, you know, I've I've done I've worked in comedy. There's a contract yeah. that goes. I'm going to say it's like a roast. I'm going to say horrific things to you, but I love you like a brother. It's like yeah, you can, you yeah, can yeah. call your best mate a fat cunt, right? Mm. But mm. if some stranger on the on the street says it to your best mate, then you're throwing hands. You know what I mean? It's like there's exactly. a there's a contract, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I yeah. think what's missing in comedy at the moment, if you pardon, I'm trying to say that with humility, is it feels like some of the contract between audience and comedian has been lost sometimes. I mean, I don't. we don't need to talk about the controversy about what can you say on stage or that kind of bullshit, but it seems yeah. like we're getting into a, a climate with a you know a particular group of people um, out there uh, with access to thumbs and Twitter um, mm. that, are, that are not understanding the contract when you say something on stage that they might not like. It is actually just a joke. And it also is a yeah, joke. That's not, yeah. it, it, it can also be yeah. a joke that misses, but it's not necessarily what the person thinks or feels. So... What do you think about that? Do you think there's an, a misunderstanding in 2023 about the unspoken contract between mm. performer and, and audience? I guess there can be, and I guess it depends on who the performer is. You know, I mean, there's some comedians who are very, um, uh, how do I put it? You know, they, they're they're trying, you know, they, they caught the big issues. They're trying to make a statement. They're making that, whereas I... I'm quite shallow and I don't really have any opinions. <laughs> I just I just like saying really stupid things and um and taken to the to the utmost level and I love getting a reaction out of people. And uh, right. I, I wouldn't say I'm a shock jock or anything like that, but even even my boys, you know, we were having dinner last night and I'll say things that I know will get them. I know will go them, but I just love saying them with a straight face. My mm. son Gabriel will go, You are horrible. I was like, Yeah, but I'm actually not serious. <laughs> I'm joking, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think if people need to need to realise that it is a joke, uh, particularly with me. I mean, I don't take anything seriously. I that's how I deal with most things, really. You know, even if it's you know a family tragedy of some sort that's been in our family, it it won't be very long before I'm making a joke about it. I, but that's sort of how I deal about deal with it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of yeah. To me, it's the it's sort of how I get through. Yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, yeah, I always think the best sort of funerals are the ones where there's lots of laughter. You know, it's a celebration yeah, yeah. of life, that sort of thing. But the, the kids thing is interesting. I, I, I feel like I've had a good week, especially with my 16 year old, of at least once a week, I can get her to say, Dad, you can't say that. To which mm. my response is typically, yeah, I know. You know, but yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Like I, I wouldn't say it out there. I'm but saying no, it to I'm you. just saying it to you yeah. because I yeah. trust you and I love you and we have a relationship and you yeah. know what my personality yeah. my humor is like this is just a yeah. moment that we're sharing yeah you don't need to have to go and tell everybody certainly don't do my dad don't said do this <laughs> don't do that turn that phone off turn that phone off <laughs> um you said about growing up with comedy in the house comedy albums and stuff is there any particular so does that mean you more had like you, you mentioned monty python uh, and those kinds of performers did you mm. more grow up with like comedic performers or were there like uh you know, comedy albums playing as well. And what do you remember kind of gravitating towards as a child? Probably like me, hearing from the top of the stairs, sometimes your parents playing yeah. it downstairs. Okay, well, I had one album, which I am I think I might still have, and it was a Basil Brush record. All right. And I got it for my fifth birthday. I don't know if you remember Basil <laughs> Brush, but he was a, yeah. a puppet boom, boom. in the UK, right? He's a fox, yeah. And, um, and so there, I've got this record of him, and it's still, oh, my God, I remember it as being so, so funny. Because it's all, I mean, that's one of the things that I still love about radio, right? It's all just the sound and you have to use your imagination. But there's this story about him finding a baby bear in the local park, like in Wimbledon Common, like this, like a baby grizzly bear. 
right, and just okay. the conversation between Basil Brush and this bear just making horror sounds, you know. Basil Brush <laughs> going, would you like some tea, Mr. Bear? The bear going, horror, horror, horror. I don't think we do have marmalade. No, but I'll have a look. You know, it's, oh, my God. I just thought it was the most amazing thing. Um, so <laughs> probably not so much now, but when I was young, that was my favorite, favorite record. And then probably from early teens, mum and dad had a um, – they were big into Peter Sellers. They both loved Peter Sellers. Right. So I love the, oh my God, I love the Pink Panther films. Um, but even before that, they had a, I think it was called Songs for Swinging Sellers. And it's Peter Sellers doing various characters. And he does a, like a child's TV host called Auntie Rotter. And it's like kind of, I guess like play school, like, like a Susie Cato kind of thing. Right. She's this really evil old lady who encourages the kids to like murder their parents when they come through the door. <laughs> it's really, it's quite dark. It's really, really funny. And my mum still remembers those sketches to this day. And that's, I have really good memories of, of listening to those records with mum and dad and just laughing, man. Yeah, it's so, um, so good. It would be interesting to get your reaction if you listen to that Basil Brush again, see what you think today. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's still even, be pretty good. Yeah, but kids' comedy is juvenile, mm. but so is a lot of guys' comedy. You yeah, know, absolutely. so I wonder I wonder if it sits still well. You you mentioned the music of Peter Sellers. That's something you're sort of known for on stage as well. Singing a tune, playing a playing a, a comedy song along. Is that something that's still like I don't know, I wouldn't say you're known for it, but I have seen no. you do it. How does that yes. fit within your repertoire of on stage performance? So when I first when I first started doing stand-up, probably within the first couple of years, I started playing a couple of comedy songs on my guitar, just purely because when you start doing your own, when you move on from doing like lineup shows in the comedy festival, for instance, which is when you you know you get sort of three or four um, other comedian mates to go, okay, well you got to do an hour. Most shows are an hour in the festival, right. and you're like, I've only been doing it a year. I do not have an hour of material. <laughs> I, what I have is ten minutes of material. So you go, okay, well we'll all we'll all try and eke it out to 15 minutes each and we'll do 15 minutes each and that'll be our hour and then as you move on you start to you know if you want a bit more of a solo profile you've got to do an hour by yourself and i'm again i'm like i do not have an hour of just right. stand up so how do i fill it out i'll put some songs in there so i think for me the thing with me is uh my my voice i think is a lot stronger than any of the comedy songs I have ever written. Right. They, yeah, they're not very good. I mean, they're okay. They're all right. Like I listen, but I've still got some of the um, early audio recordings of some of my solo shows, and I put two or three songs in there, and they, they're just okay. I thought they were pretty good. And then uh, this group called Flight of the Concords came along, <laughs> and uh, I listened to my songs, and I went, yeah, no, I'm not doing those again because uh, <laughs> the the level was just you know it was there you know there I you know it was just like i don't need to do that anymore plus there were much better guitarists than me too you know just i mean jeremy elwood who i know you've, you've talked to on the show is um he used to do um comedy songs as well his songs were a lot better structurally than mine were right uh, and he is a considerably better guitarist as is jeremy corbett great guitarist and I was just pretty, I was a good singer, an average guitarist, and a below average comedy lyricist. So I just went, you know, those numbers aren't adding up. I'll just talk more. I'll just make up sillier stories and talk and ramble more, which is sort of what I tended to do, is just waffle a lot more and fill it out that way. I'm not saying it's the same story as mm. Billy Connolly, but Billy Connolly's story is very much, he was a folk musician and his breaks between the songs got longer and longer and longer. And then he was a stand-up right, yeah, comedian. Yeah, so that's what great. He says. I, as I hear you describing yourself, which was strong voice, average music, um, that feels like the opposite of Alex Horn, you know, from Taskmaster, because he can't right, sing okay. for shit, but, yeah. but the content is very, very good. So right, anti, right, right. Gotcha. Anti Alex. Um, yeah. What about stand-up in particular when you were younger, when you, before you kind of got into it, uh, are there comedians from your childhood, from your early days, from your 20s that you remember and look back to? I, I thought it was funny. So I'll try to digress. You're talking mm. about, I asked you about memories of kind of comedy albums and stuff when you were young. You mentioned Basil, mentioned Basil Brush. Mine's Kevin Bloody Wilson. And I was like, how could mm. there be a difference mm. between those two characters? Basil Brush on yeah. one end of the spectrum, Kevin Bloody Wilson talking about Santa Claus on the other end of the spectrum. Who stole my fucking bike? I'm used myself. But were there particular people you remember? Kind of going. This is this is gold. This is my favorite. 
Uh, I think. Well, I think probably after after listening to Peter Sellers when I was still living at home with my parents, probably my next thing that I would have heard would have been uh, with kind of bandmates, I guess, in my late teens. I think one of them had the. Um, uh, I remember seeing Life of Brian with them for the first time, and I didn't. Right. I hadn't really listened to Monty Python before. Right. And then one of them had the. I think it was live at Drury Lane. It was like a double cassette, and we used to play that in their cars all the time. So there was that, and then the other one that um, some sign writing mates used to listen to all the time was Rodney Rood. Um, one of them had been to Australia and had a Rodney Rood cassette, and shit, that was pretty funny, man. There's yeah. some funny routines in there. Um, there's some. There was always a line that absolutely killed me, and I would never say this on stage now. But he's talking about some woman that he had a one night stand with, and the line is something like, "She is so ugly that her odor eaters jumped out of her shoes, ran up her back, and ate her fucking head." And that, oh my god, I just thought that's just an incredible sentence. Just the image of these. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just running up anyway. Uh, just yeah, I found it, it very, did, very funny. I, I'm assuming from, from knowing some of his comedy, he didn't just say that, he screamed that into the market. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, he would have screamed that. Head. Yeah, that's yeah. a Rodney Rhodes style, isn't it? Yeah, totally. So I I wasn't completely into him, I wasn't obsessed by him, but there's certain lines like that that I thought, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty funny line. And then, what about um, what about now? Are you someone who keeps an eye on comedy? Do you do you watch stand up like the Netflix type no, specials and stuff? Do you do I any of that? Is it, is it part of your life? It really isn't to me. It is. It is the least favorite thing that I would watch is comedy. I just, I, it, I don't know. It's just, it either feels like work, like I'm trying to research something, right, right. Or I think like anybody, right? Like if you're a guitarist, you're somebody would go, "Do you want to watch this movie about guitars?" You go, "No, thanks. I've been doing that all day." Um, so to me, I'll either watch it and, and analyze it and go, oh, I could do that. That's a good thing. I could try that. You know, so not the material, but that's a good technique for doing that. Or I'd go, ah, oh, why don't I do something like that? You right, know, right. I right. can't just enjoy it. So for me, when I watch stuff, it, it's not comedy. Like if if my wife and I want to sit down and watch Netflix together, she'll go, I feel like watching something funny tonight. And I'll go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> can't we just watch a semi-violent Nordic thriller about a dead man in the woods. Please, just I feel like seven, seven years a slave. Please, let's have something a bit lighter tonight. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I I know a lot of um a lot of my um comedian friends, you know, the likes of Ben Hurley and and all those sorts of guys grew up um, watching Eddie Murphy. You know, they always talk about Eddie Murphy specials Delir and Dave Chappelle Delirious, and yeah, 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 all that. So I've never watched any of those. It just wow. it just doesn't interest me. I you know I just. I sort of came into comedy a bit by accident, I suppose. And I suppose I've made my own style of just that kind of rambly talking to the audience, picking up things and going. And I guess to a certain extent, I don't really want to watch somebody and then start emulating their kind of style. I, guess. I was going to I mean, I was going to ask that as well. Is there any part of that you know, like um, I'm we I'm not we're not going as hardcore as saying plagiarism, but you hear sometimes people sort of being accused of using premises or ideas and it might be sometimes mm. that if you ingest a whole heap of it i mean like my brain's mush half the time i don't know where half of this stuff comes from is there any element of yeah. that where it's like i just want to i'll let you be you and i'll be me and we'll just have a line of demarcation here because we can yeah i mean there is uh there's comedians and i know who i know that we both do a routine say for instance you both do a routine about um i don't know getting pulled over by the cops so sure. if you know you're on the same lineup that night you know you yeah. might say oh are you doing yeah. your but tonight and they'll go, no, I go, okay, well, I'll do it. And not that they're similar, similar, but it kind of, it can, you know, it sounds like it's, you know, you don't want to give people the same sort of stories, I suppose, really. Um, but um, yeah, I suppose all I, all, I do remember when um, Bill Bailey came to New Zealand for the very first time for the comedy right. festival, I think it was, would have been late nineties, mid to late nineties. I know for about six months afterwards, pretty much every comic <laughs> sounded a little bit like Bill Bailey. Because yeah. none of us had really seen anybody like him before. I mean, musically, he's incredible anyway. But, you know, just these kind of weird sort of riffs, which he possibly had done at lots of other gigs, but they sounded so off the cuff, you know. He'd go, right, here we go. Comedy coming at you like a monkey throwing a stick covered in jam. You know, just this weird sort of stuff that we would never say. So, <laughs> And, oh, man, for, yeah, a long time afterwards, there were lots of comics, probably me included, here we go. Right, comedy coming at you. And then you go, oh, stop saying that. That's Will Bailey. Stop saying that. <laughs> right. 
Speaking of Bill Bailey, there's uh, there seems to be a really interesting kind of three month period with a lot of international artists, are you, like comedians coming to New Zealand. Are yeah. you going to go see them, or are you literally avoiding all of it, even that? I think because, as as I said, because I've seen so few of them, and I yeah. don't normally go. Every now and then, I sort of go, shit, maybe I should go and see these guys. You know, they're right. they're famous for a reason, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I generally miss it. I generally, right. I generally wait until a week after they've gone and go. Yeah, I'm going to go. And they'll go. It was here last week. I go, right, I'm not going now. That's fine. I've left it too late. But no, you're right. It was Jimmy Carr, I think, yep. if he's not There's already. a lot. Is he already here? Maybe he's already gone. Uh, I think he might have come. I think Sarah Millican's so here many. in a couple of weeks. You've got uh, so, Tom so Segura many, coming yeah. across. You've got Bert Kreischer. There, there's a lot. Um, McIntyre's coming. I know because of this new yeah. podcast, I've been going, I wonder if I could get any of them. So I've done a bit of research as to who's coming. Yeah, right. Good and there's you. a lot. There's a lot. See, and, and, the, see, and the answer is no at the moment. I don't have any of them, just so we know. Just it's out there. No, no, no. See, int- I mean, interesting from those names that you said, I've only heard of two of them. Right. I've only Dave heard Chappelle? of McIntyre and I've heard of Dave Chappelle. He's coming. I've heard of Jimmy Carr. But the other two guys, I don't, like I just, comedy's just something. I love doing it when I'm doing it, but when I'm not yeah. doing it, I would rather do anything else. Do you, you think know, also, if you, were, if you were to investigate, it sounds like with your upbringing and stuff as well, you might lean English? Like the two names I mentioned were, were kind of high-profile American, but they're sort of, right. you know, the Dave Chappelle's, Chris Rock's are supposed to be here, and then these yeah. guys are kind of here, although okay. still very big audiences because it's a 330 yeah, right, million right, population. Right. Do you think you lean, if you're with your comedy, you lean British? Yeah, probably, probably. I think the more kind of, um, I guess, cutting a little bit more roast kind of thing. Yeah, I'd, it's it's funny. I look back at some of my early stuff, and I did – for a time, I was really into Bill Hicks for a little while. And I, in fact, I hope there isn't any of my early stuff out there because some of the early, there was a comedy competition. I think I was in with three or four other um, comedians, like a Best Raw Festival. And I've been watching it and I watch it now. I'm like, oh God, I sound so angry. Like, it just, like, just not a very nice guy. Right. And like, God, I'm so glad that I just moved away from that, you know. But obviously, I was just trying to emulate that kind of. This is the way life is, and you suck. These people also suck. Yeah, yeah. everybody sucks. You know, it's yeah, it, it well, wasn't good. So I'm glad prob- I went in another direction. Probably a good time to ask then is uh, I want to ask every comedian that comes on um, mm. where they sit on where they sit on hecklers. I mean, the, there seems to be three kinds of comedians. You know, uh, no to hecklers, don't mind hecklers, encourage hecklers. That is actually out there. Where do you sit on being heckled from the audience? Is there any stories come to mind about the, a, a classic heckle? Oh, look, I think uh, I think they have their time and place. I think the people who are just really excited to be there and yell stuff out are fine if they do it for a little bit and then stop and settle down and go, I've had my moment. That's perfect because for me, for somebody who likes to kind of work off the audience a bit and, and you know, try and come up with stuff that I haven't heard myself hundreds of times, <laughs> I actually find that a really good tool to work with. In fact, I right. did a, I did a gig... Um, down in Matamata a couple of weeks ago. I was meant to be doing it with another comic, but then he got sick. So I had to do the whole show. We're meant to be doing 40 minutes each. So I, yeah, I had to do 40 minutes and then take a break and I changed shirts (laughs) so that it felt (laughs) like it was a different person. And then I did another 40 minutes. So I was thinking on the way down, well, I can't just do, I don't just want to get up there and just do 40 minutes of stand-up comedy that I've written, stop 40 minutes. I'm going to have to talk to the crowd a lot more than I normally would. So I I did probably about 25 minutes at the top of just crowd work and um, just talking to people and building on what they were saying. And it was great. Shit. It went so good. It was great. And every time I do that, I'm like, why don't I do that more often? And then, and then I settled into the material and it kind of felt, you could almost feel people going, Oh, this isn't quite as much fun as when he was just <laughs> pissed around. <laughs> but again, you probably can't piss around for an hour and a half either. So it's finding yeah. that kind of balance is, I think it's one of the reasons that I still love stand up is it still, it still surprises me you know, that I get surprised about how things are going, you know, and sometimes I'll go, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And other times I'll go, oh, yeah, I've done that before and that did not work. And for some reason, I decided to do it again. That's, I'm a guy who doesn't learn from things, uh, <laughs> despite the fact I've been doing it, you know, 27 years or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really good. So, no, I don't mind, to answer your question, I don't mind hecklers usually. It's the people who talk at a level that you can just hear. Sometimes it's a level that you can hear on stage and people in the audience can't hear. 
but it just right. feels oh my god it just to me it just feels like so so rude it feels so rude in fact the only time quite recently i lost my shit at somebody on the stage i was playing a big we we're playing the beach hop down in uh Whangamata. it was me brenna lovegrove and ben hurley and Liv mckenzie and they were great crowds about three or four hundred people in this big tent they're pretty boozed because they've been out looking at the cars all day but there was one guy just down to my left who was playing music on his phone right through the gig like fairly loud you know, that him and all his mates could hear, but just obviously not interested in being there. Just looking up YouTube clips, playing music on his phone, and he got told a couple of times by the MC to stop it, and then he was still doing it when I went up. And I'm like, oh, man, I just... I think I just turned around and went, Oi! I wouldn't come into your work with my phone and play shit while you're trying to work, so turn that off, you rude fucking cunt. It's, but that's actually... I couldn't help what, myself. And no, the crowd went, true. whoa, finally somebody said something. Yeah, Oh, my God, true. I was so... I felt Imagine a little bit like... Oh, I need I mean, to he sit down after that. He, he probably wasn't because he sounds like a dirtbag. But imagine if he was an accountant and you just went sit, sit on the other side of his desk and just went and played a bit of music oh. and just sat there the whole time and didn't I do. I, I, I it reminds me of a, some people are. You know, reminds amazing. me of a story where I missed out on a cultural event. Kerry Takano was playing at um, Auckland Domain. You know, hundred thousand people, that kind of thing. Mm. And I did not want to be there. So for me. It was uh, Bobby Brown all night on my Walkman, but I was polite enough to have headphones on. So oh, good, headphones good, good, on good. all night. So sitting with the family, mum making me go, uh, Bobby Brown and my headphones all night long. So at least at least a little bit of politeness. Yeah, so you were the at the domain. Me. I was at the domain. Kerry Takanoa up on stage. Right. My family on the on Your the blanket around me. Yeah, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown. And and the, and, and the and the dancing didn't quite link up with what I was hearing. It was quite weird. It was like that's that doesn't doesn't yeah, work yeah, yeah. stage work wasn't quite the same but is my is it is he my prerogative is that him he is every yeah, little yeah. step you take my it would be great if Kerry at one point when <laughs> is there anything you'd like to hear and you were <laughs> also stop hitting Whitney <laughs> hey um tell me about ego and over and what is it over inflated what, sense the name of self. the term yeah mm. yeah Paul, uh, Paul yeah we know what the term is but um yeah where, where did where did ego come from no, that was a little accident as well. Most of my career <laughs> seems to have been accidents. In fact, I may have had an accident just now. I had some very rich fruit cake about half an hour ago. Um, no, that was an accident too. So my real name is actually Paul Jones. So my surname's mm -hmm. Jones. Boring name. Pretty common name. And I thought, well, I can't just call myself Paul Jones as a comedian. That's, that's not very interesting. I need something cooler than that. And then, um, so when I was a kid, my auntie used to call me Paulie Joe. Like Paulie Joe. Paul right. and then Joe. So I thought, oh, I'll change that and I'll make it Paul E. Joe, like E-J-O. Paul E. Joe. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, E. Joe is a bit weird, but it sounds better than Paul Jones. So I think it must have only been a few gigs in. I said to the MC, oh, could you actually introduce me as Paul E. Joe? And he's like, E. Joe? I'm like, yeah, E-J-O. Paul E. Joe. He's like, okay. And then I came <laughs> off stage and he went, that was Paul Ego. And so he said, Ego instead of Ejo. And then he came off stage and he said, I'm sorry, I think I got that wrong. But Ego is a pretty good name. And I was like, Yeah, actually, it is. It is. And so I kept it. That was it. Yeah. Hilarious. It works, yeah, yeah. Well, it works well. I remember speaking of more. Well, it's Brent short Hunt. and it's memorable and it's easy yeah. to fit into things. And yeah, it's good. Good That's for a good. website. Paul Ego. That's fine. We'll get you it's in a fine, second. Pat. It's fine. Um, Brent Harbour, more FM Auckland when you were there. Mm. He, he told me the story of driving, I think, to his first job in radio, listening to the radio station he was going right. to. Heard the guy on before him uh, announce that coming up next is Brent Harbour. It's not his name. And he got in, he was like, what? what? And he, he was like, oh, I just said, I thought it was a better name. I was looking out the window and I saw the water and I just went Brent Harbour. And that's his name in radio now. Just like yeah, that. Yeah, so amazing. Amazing. <laughs> in, in fact, I know... I know Brent Harbour, and I don't yeah. think I know his actual name. Ah, I've always know. known him as Brent Harbour. There yeah, you go. So, mm. It's not his name. My name is Marianne Smith, but I go by Pat Brinton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what happened there? Did somebody just look out at a body of water and went, yeah. Pat Brittenden? Yeah, it's exactly what it was, <laughs> completely. I um, was mentioning paulego.com uh, because I was on there today having a look at your upcoming gigs, of which there are none, because yes. I'm guessing of the more FM... <laughs> Oh, thanks for pointing gigs. out how much time I spend on my website, Pat. But the question about that is, this is yes. my last question for you, Paul Ego. Okay. Um, are you at all concerned, worried about continuing to perform stand-up 
what's going back to breakfast radio because breakfast radio is fantastic but the hours are a killer how are you going to live yep. in both worlds or are you going to stop living in one world for a while obviously not the oh, radio no, world. you're I'd not going to stop living in the radio I'd, world <laughs> yeah no i'd still like to do stand up and i think uh, for me radio and stand up have always fed into each other pretty well um often you'll come up with a with an idea you know, while you're doing the radio show and it's maybe you'll talk about it off air with your co-host and maybe it's just a little bit not quite appropriate for the listeners, but you go, actually, that might make a good bit of stand-up and right. um, and vice versa. Sometimes I would think of something on stage and I go, oh, I'll mention that to the guys tomorrow morning. That might be a good uh, a good topic to talk about. So I've always quite enjoyed both of them. And when I don't do stand-up, I actually really miss it. So I would still like to be doing stand-up, at the, well, at least once a month doing a gig. And um, yeah, I'll be based down at Christchurch obviously for a couple of months and there's I know there's gigs down there so I might get up on stage there from time to time um but no I'm certainly not going to give stand up up no way it's um, yeah. it's where it all started for me you know it's is, it, is that kind of who you are part. as well I mean sometimes I talk to people and they act mm. and they sing and I go what what are you like what is if you were to describe yourself as what's the core is your core mm. stand up comedian yeah I think it is it will be between yeah I it's a it's a bit weird. I mean, some when seven days came along, that felt so natural to me sitting in that seat and just you know building talking, on talking ideas shit. that other people have said <laughs> and taking it somewhere else, which often you can't do as a stand up comedian unless you're working right. with the audience, which is why I right, enjoy right. that because I enjoy that that sort of um, that collaborative thing of kind of you know because I've I've always said I'm, I don't think I'm a very good starter of stuff. I'm not the guy who comes to the table with loads and loads of ideas. I just, I'm not like that. Jeremy's very good at that. And Di is excellent at it. And, right. but me, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at picking up that thing and going in a different direction or adding to it or built, you know, adding something on that somebody hadn't thought of or putting a cherry on, you know, I, I, and I think that's the reason that the three of us work so well on seven days for such a long time. So um, as, as far as that goes, I think that's why our radio show, the More FM radio show works so well and why it was so good when I was on The Rock. I'm good at adding to things that other people have said. So um, I do love stand-up, but I think I'm probably stronger in that kind of that area where you've got two or three other people and you're chatting and I'm adding and listening to what people are saying and taking it in different directions. So I don't know if that answers your question. I love stand-up, but I think... I'm slightly better. When I was at my best on seven days, I think I'm better at that than I possibly am at stand up. Just right. I reckon. Right. Maybe. But it's a yeah. it's a it's a close. It's a close. I think it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. 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 And stick like man I, would I, be I would... three, four. Well, stick with... man uses all those um facets, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. But you know, I, if somebody said to me you can do radio, but you'd never you'd never do stand up again, I'd yeah. be pretty sad about that, I think. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't mm. but but didn't it doesn't sound like you'd be sad enough to, to go no, but you'd be upset about it, but it might still be a Yeah, I guess because I've been doing it for a long time, right? Ten yeah. years ago I'd just go, Well, no, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not giving up stand up because you know, I love doing it. I love all the corporate work that I do for companies and stuff, which to me is kind of like stand up with a bit of a you know, you can put a bit of a a funny kind of a you know, bit of energy into a into an area that's usually sometimes pretty dry balls, you know, a lot of business stuff is they have to sit through, you know, hours and hours of conferences and meetings and presentations. So if you can go in there and just bring a bit of life to it, I'd, I'd love doing that sort of stuff. It's awesome. Well, Paul Ego, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad we got a chance to hang yeah. out. And you're, and you're coming to the mainland, Heidi Mai. Yeah, so indeed. We'll, we'll see Thank you, you down here. You can probably come down to Dunedin and do some gigs down here as well. Well, yeah. Mm. I, I guess you'd have to travel down back in the day, though, because you go home in the week. Oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll have my people yeah. yeah. There's a great um, venue there that Paul Douglas and I did a, during our tour last year. Um, is it two Dog with Two Tails? Dog with Two Tails, yeah, on the outer octagon. Lovely, yeah. lovely bar. Yeah. What a great space. We had a superb yeah. gig there. I'd go back there in a heartbeat. It was awesome. Yeah, no, they that that was just a cafe, and then they got mm. the room next door, and they turned it into a stage, and that's where the local comedians uh, try their wares. And so, that's yeah, great. it's very good. And there's, there's I love those of, sorts of gigs. Just sixty seaters, you know, people are nice yeah. and close. It just feels. Oh, it just feels magic. Just a real shared yeah. experience. It's awesome. Oh, look, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up Same with you. Man. Thank you for coming on board and talking funny with me. Um, I've been very excited to do a few of these, and I'm very glad to have you on board. PaulEgo.com, if people want to find out about all the gigs you've not got coming up in 2023 quite yet. <laughs> See, now I've got to go on there right now yeah. and update it. Yeah. 
I never yeah. get on. It's like I've, I've spent the last two days trying to log back into my Netflix account, which somehow <laughs> I've locked myself out of. And do you fucking hell, do you think I can do it? And my website's the same. I go on there so seldom that I go on there and I go, right, how do I do this? How do I upload a picture? Yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, it's a nightmare. Uh, be, honestly, best of luck with more Thanks, FM. Man. I mean, you don't need luck because you're a you're a you're a completely bona fide brilliant broadcaster. Thank um, you, so rather than saying best of luck, I'll say I can't wait to hear what you guys end up doing. And me um, too. If, you, if we if we can't bring back Bob Bond, I'm just thinking after hearing you talk today, maybe some kind of Basil Brush spin-off spoof <laughs> would work well. Where the main every other character on yep. the show, the character's talking to Jacinda Ardern, and Jacinda goes and the character based on Bella Brush goes no Jacinda we won't I'll tell you what there is no such thing as a bad idea Pat but that would be pretty close yeah yeah, I'm I'm with you (laughs) hey um, Paul thanks for joining us today mate it's been amazing thanks man see you soon